0: Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. 12.03
1: on April 21st, 2022. Thanks for joining us for the Thursday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Rachel Pearson filling in for Rob Hart. HBO is reporting growth in its services, including its Max streaming channel. That's just a day after Netflix reports a big drop in subscribers. We'll cover that in our next segment. But right now, the conference board released its index of leading indicators. Also, the latest tally of jobless claims is out today. Let's break down the data with the help of Greg McBride, chief financial analyst at Bankrate.com, based in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Greg, let's start with these leading indicators. What are you seeing and what does it say about where we're headed?
2: Well, the March figure uh, came in as expected, up 0.3 percent. But We saw a pretty notable revision uh, to the February number uh, up from 0.3 to 0.6 percent. And I think, Rachel, the the main driver here is the rise in long-term interest rates. Uh, When we see the steepening of the the yield curve like that, uh, it does uh, tend to to indicate strong economic growth. Of course, the flip side to that is this rise in long-term rates is also indicative of the high inflation we've seen and the aggressive action we expect from the Federal Reserve. So, you know, what's a positive leading indicator now might not be so positive later this year if the Fed has to get particularly aggressive on rates in the interim.
1: How does the ongoing war in Ukraine compare to what we've already experienced when we're, when we're looking ahead here?
2: Well, it's created a ton of uncertainty. It's also driving uh, additional inflation pressures. I mean, we were already at a 40-year high in inflation even before hostilities broke out. And now it's just added more to that, particularly with regard to uh, commodities and agricultural products Of course, you know, uh, both Ukraine and Russia, big exporters of of many uh, uh, agricultural uh, commodities like wheat and grains uh, and not just the oil coming out of Russia. So you're seeing inflationary pressures and those have follow on effects. They they, they trickle down to everything else. Uh, You know, everything that you buy off the shelf in a store, it had to get there via transport in some way. And so you see those higher oil prices that feeds through uh, to uh, a lot of downstream products as well.
1: Let's shift gears to the weekly uh, jobless claims report showing that the labor market r- remains pretty tight.
2: Yeah, really good news here. I mean, the, the job market is, is great. I mean, it, you know, you saw a slight downtick in, in weekly jobless claims at a very low level, very indicative of a tight labor market. Uh, the continuing claims uh, are the, the lowest in more than 50 years. And here's what's significant about that. The labor force is now twice the size as it was back then. So just really kind of puts in context how strong this, this labor market is. It's tough to bring in new people, and so employers are much more likely to hang on to the people they have. So uh, we, you know, the other takeaway here, these jobless claims are uh, for the same week in which the monthly employment report that we'll get in a couple of weeks is being conducted. So this bodes very well for
1: uh, still more uh, continued strong job, job growth. And on the manufacturing front, activity, at least in the uh, Philadelphia area, increased less than expected.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, the inflation is is really having an impact here too. You've got inflation, you've got tight labor market, and uh, you know that you've had a lot of supply chain constraints, and that supply it, it contains you know not just components, but it's also on the labor side. If you can't uh, fill labor shortages, it's tough to meet those production uh, deadlines, and you know that uh, that too is a downstream effect.
1: Thanks so much, Greg McBride, Chief Financial Analyst at Bankrate.com, based in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida. Coming up, the latest in the streaming wars, including one service that's shutting down.
0: Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
1: HBO Max is showing growth, while the end is reportedly near for another streaming service. Let's get the latest from Tim Hanlon, founder and CEO of the Vertaire Group here in Chicago. Tim, great news if you're HBO.
3: Well, possibly. Um, HBO Max uh, is uh, pretty much on fire. It's uh, it's capturing a lot of audience, uh, as is Disney Plus, uh, in uh, the wake of Netflix's early advantages over the years. Um, but as uh, I'm sure we'll talk about in a second, HBO is part of a much bigger conglomerate now uh, that has uh, got some other uh, aspects to their life to figure out, uh, and that's much more corporate with the um, Uh, absorption by Discovery Networks to now create uh, Warner Brothers Discovery, which now HBO Max fits into. So it's a good thing for for the new ownership uh, to to inherit a um, fast-growing and, frankly, uh, technically getting much better uh, in terms of uh, uh, the process and the app and and its functionality uh, of HBO Max. But uh, it's an aggregation of lots of things, and it's a big corporate entity. And uh, we just saw some news today that uh, one of those pieces – uh, is actually going to go away as of uh, the other of the
1: month. And that, that piece is is CNN+, Plus, which announced today that it's shutting down effective April 30th. Keep in mind, it launched earlier, it was just a month ago, and now uh, we're just seeing that the, subscri- the subscribers aren't there. And I, I do believe that this merger, this uh, decision was part of that merger that was mentioned when it was uh, combined with Warner Brothers' discovery. Any indication on, on what the reasoning, why people maybe just weren't viewing this?
3: yeah, look, I think uh, actually the whole CNN plus idea was really more of a victim of circumstance and timing than anything else in terms of quality and whatnot. Um, you have to remember, there was a uh, quite a distracting um, uh, and messy uh, uh, ejection of uh, Jeff Zucker, the longtime head of CNN uh, at the tail end of last year with some um, uh, accusations and some um, oversight managerial issues with a with a a colleague. And that sort of didn't bode well because he was the champion of that CNN Plus service. Um, And it was also launched literally weeks before Discovery Networks' acquisition of the parent company then of CNN Plus, uh, now called uh, Discovery, excuse me, Warner Brothers Discovery. Got to get that right. Uh, And um, the new management not only has a whole bunch of debt to deal with uh, and uh, doesn't want to inherit uh, a fledgling service that, frankly, they apparently were signaling they didn't want to launch before the acquisition. Uh, closed. So uh, no disrespect to the content. I think it was just a matter of bad timing. And we'll see. I think some of the content will come back in different forms under the new management, but over time.
1: Again, CNN Plus shutting down at the end of this month, while HBO reportedly growing subscribers by the millions. Up next, there's speculation the Fed will be aggressive in raising interest rates as it tries to rein in inflation.
0: Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
1: Well, there's speculation the Federal Reserve will be aggressive in raising interest rates as it tries to rein in inflation. And there's also a change coming to the Chicago Fed. We welcome David Jones, chairman of D. DM- MJ Advisors based in Denver, Colorado. David, rumblings that the uh, Fed's going to really go after inflation here with raising interest rates more than just the uh, small percentage we saw last month. Exactly. Um, I think the Fed is ready to uh, make a strong commitment
4: to take the measures necessary to restore price stability. As part of that, we're going to see a busy May. As you just alluded to, we're going to see Rates go up twice as much as usual. We could expect a half percentage point or what the market calls a 50 basis point increase in the Fed's policy rate at the May meeting. Uh, Maybe one or two more of those um, around mid-year as the Fed decides it's going to do everything in its power to um, bring down that incredibly high rate of inflation. And I think the general attitude is going to be they're going to move policy toward what the Fed called a neutral policy uh, posture expeditiously, a big word, but it meant that they're going to go fairly fast. That means by the end of this year, that overnight uh, policy rate by the Fed could be up around two and a half percent up from the current level of uh, less than a percentage point.
1: Should the Fed have stepped in sooner, I don't know I just have, is this is this too late to even to get ahead of the inflation that we're seeing?
4: Well, you're right on the money with that question. The answer is yes. in capital letters, uh, the Fed should have acted well before uh it started this policy tightening move in March. Uh, Should have happened uh, at least six months earlier, maybe a year earlier, uh, because inflation is really becoming embedded in the economy at this point. It's going to be very hard to bring it down. We have to think back to the years of Paul Volcker uh, 40 years ago when he saw inflation this high. Uh, He had to move rates up, interest rates up substantially to bring it down. Um, I don't see rates going as high as He had to move them mortgage rates of 18 percent, for example, back in the early 1980s. But I do think the Fed is late. It's behind the curve in moving to fight inflation. And thus, it has to do more faster in terms of uh, tightening up and raising rates. And I think that makes the stock market very nervous.
1: We've also learned that Chicago Fed President Charles Evans is set to retire early next year. He joined the Chicago Fed in 1991.
0: This is Chicago's all news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
1: Good afternoon. I'm Rachel Pearson. And for Rob Hart, these are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. The United States is providing more military aid to Ukraine. Details just ahead in a special report from CBS News. On Technology Thursday, Tesla continues to fly high, even as more competitors enter the electric vehicle market. And airlines are painting an optimistic picture of the remainder of this year. WBBM business, the markets mixed. The Dow now up six points, the Nasdaq down 78, and the S&P 500 down 14 points. AccuWeather says plenty of sunshine this afternoon as we reach a high near 70 degrees. Temperatures fall to 47 tonight with chances for rain by morning. Tomorrow, cooler, a high of 59 degrees. Right now it's 57 at O'Hare, 59 at Midway. It's 1231. CBS News special report, a key Ukrainian port city is on the verge of collapse. Mariupol has had no power for well over a month now. Things like food and water, medicines are practically impossible to get hold of. And they're living, sheltering, hiding for their lives in a city that has been razed to the ground. The BBC's
5: Anna Foster. President Biden says additional military aid is on its way.
4: I'm announcing
6: another $800 million to further augment Ukraine's ability to fight in the east. This package includes heavy artillery weapons, dozens of howitzers, and 144,000 rounds of ammunition.
5: CBS's David Martin on those howitzers. What a 155-millimeter howitzer is, is a very big gun. It fires a six-inch projectile, and it can fire it out to a range of 15 to 40 miles. The $800 million arms package brings U.S. assistance in total to $3.4 billion. CBS News Special Report, I'm Linda Kenyon.
0: The best daily deal in Chicago. The WBBM Noon Business Hour.
1: Well, the markets are mixed this afternoon as the Dow is up 203 points. The Nasdaq down 71 and the S&P 500 down 12. We're joined by Art Hogan, Chief Market Strategist at National Securities based in New York. Art, what do you make of it?
6: Yeah, interesting week. We had uh Monday was a was a pretty significant down day and, and uh, one of the four days in a row that markets were down. Had a very nice turnaround Tuesday, very broad market um, rebound, and and you know I think that stemmed from a lot of things, not the least of which is the markets have gotten pretty oversold. Bounce again yesterday, uh, except for the NASDAQ, and today we just have a complete mixed bag of results here. I think that's not unusual when you're going through earnings reporting season, and there's the uh, winners and the losers. Clearly, yesterday's loser was Netflix, and that's taking all of the streaming-related names down with it. Today's winner clearly uh, is Twitter. Um, I mean, it's Twitter and uh, Tesla. And they're you know, both kind of related or at least maybe cl- more closely related as uh, as we progress over the course of the next uh, few weeks here.
1: Right. And that's because Elon Musk is uh, offering a potential tender to purchase Twitter. I believe it's now forty six and a half billion dollars in committed financing for the deal. Let's break this down, because it's sort of, uh, we, you know, it had been talked about, and then it was put on pause, and there was talks from Twitter of a poison pill to prevent it, and now Musk is back saying that he's got backing uh, from some equity firms. So what are the next steps for, for Twitter?
6: Well, if Elon Musk actually gets this uh, financing together, which it looks like he's he's vetting that out now, but if he has potential investors uh, putting up 46 billion, and he put, then he can find the other. to recall it 20 billion uh, himself, uh, which he certainly can. I think that uh, he's got about 25 billion worth of uh, Tesla shares that are uncommitted. Um, then he would actually be making an offer to each and every shareholder, right? That's what a ten- how a tender offer works. So that's how you get around a board of turning down a takeover offer. You go direct to the shareholders, and if enough, if a if a uh, majority of shareholders. Uh, agree to the tender offer, then the board has to concede and the, and they 're able to take this company private. Hard to know how that will play out i don 't know if uh, you were a Twitter shareholder, but, you know a year ago and the stock at seventy dollars if you think that fifty four dollars and twenty cents or something like that is the appropriate price, and uh, not exactly sure you know what the financing would look like and it 's hard to model this out and say this is a great idea as it 's not a company that 's generated a lot of revenues, especially as compared to its other social media counterparts. But uh, it certainly makes for good news, and it certainly makes you know puts a lot of buzz around a guy that gets a lot of buzz to start with.
1: I was going to say, if you need to know what's trending on Twitter, it's it's Twitter that's trending. Right. Um, exactly. I, I, you did make a good point, though, because if I'm if I'm a stockholder and I you know like you said bought in a little higher, a proposed fifty four twenty a share it doesn't sound super appealing to me, unless I suppose someone is behind sort of the uh, stance that Elon Musk. Has taken with sort of cultural and uh, privacy changes that he's proposed for the company. Yeah, I and
6: mean, that's that's very interesting, right? When you when you think about that, it's, it's why exactly are you buying this, right? And is it because you believe there should be more freedom of speech on the Twitter platform? They should be less restrictive of uh, the content that they're willing to let out. And if that's your idea, then this isn't really an investment. This is actually a hobby, right? You're you're taking this on as a project. Because you, you know, as a libertarian, you believe that uh, there should be a lighter regulatory touch to free speech, and and more things should be allowed. So, you know, in in that way, you know, it it makes sense, I guess, if you if you're struggling to model out the valuation here, and you take away that part of it, take away the fundamental valuation, and you say Elon Musk would like to have a louder. Megaphone, and would like everyone else to be able to say things that perhaps he can't say right now on the social media platform, which begs a lot of questions. You know, you know, do we need more governance over all social media platforms, and, and should they be treated like uh, news agencies and publications?
1: If this is a hobby, it's an expensive hobby. <laughs> Thanks right, so much.
6: It, it sure is. Thanks for joining it us. It's one of those things where you know he loves the platform, and he likes it so much he'd like to buy the whole company. I think that. Uh, I think we uh, that's reminiscent of uh, what happened to Remington Shavers about 50 years ago. We liked it so much about the whole company, and, and off we go. So... I think that's exactly what's happening here. And and maybe I'll make a bid for uh, Lou Malmati's because I really like their pizza.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Thanks so much, Art Hogan, chief market strategist at National Securities based in New York. Up next in Technology Thursday, Tesla, again, talking about Elon Musk as it posts record profits. Also, as Volkswagen enters the EV fray. Loaning
0: useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues.
1: It's Technology Thursday. Volkswagen is the latest company pushing its electric cars in pursuit of market leader Tesla. We're joined by Andrew Bush, former chief markets intelligence officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission here in Chicago. Andy, uh, apparently supply chain issues are not standing in Tesla's way. We saw its earnings report after the bell yesterday. Can we break down some of those numbers?
7: yeah, I mean, they're just incredibly impressive. Um, they delivered three hundred and ten thousand vehicles, which compared to Volkswagens, they only delivered about one hundred thousand. but it it's the astonishing eye popping revenue numbers that are just amazing. like eighteen point seven six billion in revenue, earnings per share three twenty two versus two twenty six expected. Um, and on that, uh, uh, uh profits and on, yeah, on the profit side and the revenue side, only 679 million came from, uh, regulatory credits, which had been a big sticking point for a lot of people. But I mean, these are just incredible numbers and their CFO, uh, came out and said, uh, Tesla remains confident that it can grow 50% over 2021 numbers. So, I mean, they're just chilling it.
1: Yeah. Well, and it comes as other players in the same industry. I'm I'm thinking specifically of Rivian, which sort of uh, reduced its production expectations. It cited uh, production issues with the shortage of lithium batteries. So I think, uh, what was it? It was cutting production close to half.
7: Yeah, and I think that's emblematic of what's going on. I mean, whether it's batteries or whether it's China shutting down, you know, 40% of their economy with the COVID outbreak there. Even even T- Tesla said that they've had a problem and that they're going to have lower numbers out of China. They hope to restart their plants I think this week if not next week. But that's really emblematic across the entire economy. And you know, what's interesting in the EV space, there's so many cool things that are going on. Um, You hear a lot about the lithium ion batteries, but there's breakthroughs that are occurring in the lithium sulfur batteries that will really be a game changer. So I I think there's a lot of growth that's going to continue to occur in this space.
1: Well, and hopefully that space includes room for Volkswagen, who's now sort of getting into the EV game. (laughs) What do you make of that?
7: Yeah had problems. uh, Just as you mentioned, Um, they had problems with their supply chain and obviously not surprising. A lot of it has to do with the war in the Ukraine. So um, they are struggling to some extent. Um, Their uh, CEO was on 60 Minutes talking a a little bit about that (laughs) over the weekend. But I think the die is cast. Every major automaker is getting into the space, which is one of the reasons why eventually we're going to have a lot of problems getting supplies for uh, the lithium batteries because everyone's making this big shift into those and that really is, is, is interesting um, it will create conditions by which Tesla will experience a lot more competition probably lower price points but we'll see how they handle it and I, I think it's overall really good so you know, the, the numbers out of Tesla, their, their profit margins are so extreme that it, it seems to me there is there's definitely room for more players in this and there's definitely room for lower cost players to broaden out who can buy these cars.
1: That's Andrew Bush, former Chief Markets Intelligence Officer at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission and economist at andrewbush.com based here in Chicago. Join us at this time tomorrow for Entrepreneur Friday and still to come, US airlines forecasting profits after several years of losses. At 12:50 we continue talking about Chicago-based United Airlines, which is forecasting an optimistic picture for the second half of this year. We welcome Joe Sweeterman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chadwick Institute at DePaul University here in Chicago. Uh, Joe the latest earnings or projections, rather, from American Airlines. Uh, Big comeback. It's been quite a
5: day for both United and American. It's uh, interesting that they're expecting uh, second quarter to turn profitable. And not only that, but have revenue actually above pre-pandemic levels. And that has Wall Street pretty excited. The stocks are moving upward as a result.
1: And this is building off of what we already saw from, uh, from Delta, from United. What's interesting, though, is that this is coming at a time where, let's keep in mind, that, that fuel prices haven't gotten any lower.
5: No, that's right, and uh, it's been a a roller coaster. We, of course, have the mask mandate lifting a couple days ago, and that's uh, buoyed the spirits of of airline executives. But the fuel price situation remains pretty tough. I mean, uh, fuel prices are way above uh, just a a couple years ago. And uh, despite this, you know, the airlines are expecting uh, uh, pretty hefty profits. In fact, we saw Scott Kirby say United the demand conditions are the strongest he have seen in his thirty years in the airline industry. So that's that's certainly saying a lot. We know some of that's pent up demand trips that were postponed due to the pandemic But all things considered, airlines are rolling in the summer
2: with a pretty good revenue outlook.
1: Well, yeah, and from a a consumer standpoint, I guess if I haven't traveled or if it's been a while and now I suddenly am maybe feeling a little bit more confident with that mask mandate being lifted, maybe I'm willing to spend extra because these flight prices compared to what they were a year ago, I mean, there is a dramatic increase.
5: Oh, it is, so certainly. There's a sticker shock for a lot of people to get on to buy. And I think uh, what we're seeing is the airlines still have less capacity than pre-pandemic, or 5 to 7% less, fewer seats out there. But revenue is actually going to be above it. Now, we know some of that revenue is going to offset the rising fuel costs. But the airlines are uh, – this is a signal for the airlines to even beef up those schedules more because there's money to be made at these high fares. And especially like uh, mid-July, we're seeing uh, almost like surge pricing for the airlines right now with, uh, with seats going fast.
1: It'll be interesting, too, because there's been projections about or talk, I should say, about the return of business travel. But I know summer's not really the season for that. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how sort of how that plays out in the coming months.
5: Yeah, we're getting real mixed reports on that. I mean, the reports a few weeks ago is that it has come back, especially the uh, uh, the convention uh, business. But we're seeing that the traditional business travel, the salesman, the uh, corporate uh, executive flying for meetings, that market uh, doesn't seem to be uh, – they're not as optimistic about that as maybe uh, we were a year ago. And I think the strength of the pleasure market is compensating for that. But for the airlines, that does mean they're going to have to keep revamping those schedules – moving those flights to more leisure-oriented spots.
1: Thank you for joining us, Joe Sweeterman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chattuck Institute at DePaul University here in Chicago. If you missed any part of today's noon business hour, we'll have the replay podcast available shortly at wbbmnewsradio.com as well as on the Odyssey app.